Hey guys, my name is Alex, and you're listening to the Thousand Movie Project Podcast. Listening more specifically to the kind of thing I've been referring to in the past few episodes as My April Diary. But it's not April anymore, it's the middle of the summer, so I can't call it that anymore. But before I get into that, thought I would just riff about what I've been up to, in particular what I've been reading, because the thing that I've been up to for the past couple months that has kept me so occupied that I haven't done any episodes is I've been writing a new book. I started it with a certain kind of intention, and then I got it done fairly quickly. In the second draft I finished last week, I'm going to do another quick turn with like the first 50-60 pages, send it off to my agent, see if it's the kind of thing she's interested in representing, and then we'll go from there. But I was sort of propelled through it by a very motivating factor, which is terror. I was very, I'm very freaked out. The farther along I get in this experience with Cuba Fruit, which is, which my agent is still submitting to publishers. Every week that goes by, like the fate of that book just inches closer and closer, whether it turns out to be a success, whether it turns out to be a failure, I don't really know what's going to happen. And in the grips of that fucking abject terror, and also having just recently finished writing like an enormous prequel to Cuba Fruit, I sort of made the decision, or I don't know, man, this is so, it's so arrogant to say that I just made the decision, but like Mario Puzo, the guy who wrote The Godfather, like at the beginning of his career, he wrote two or three novels. They, I think one of them was called like The Fortunate Pilgrim. And all, all those books got like great reviews, but they did not sell at all. I think one of them sold like a thousand copies. And this was in like the fucking 60s. This was before people had porn in their pocket. As I mentioned in a recent, not a recent, like a year ago, I mentioned I was reading um, the stats that Pornhub released about their viewership. And they mentioned that 200 years of pornographic footage had been uploaded to their site in 2019 alone. Like it would be understandable if you're, you're a really talented author in 2020, 19 and you release a novel and a thousand people buy it that's understandable because they have two centuries of porn to get through for that year alone but if you're only selling a thousand copies in the 60s and you're very talented something's got to change and puzo said that he was getting a lot of shit from his relatives and he was like i'm not putting up with this anymore fuck it i'm gonna write a bestseller and he just said it like in a very declarative way and then he he wrote like just he wrote the godfather like it was homework he just knew how to tell a story, I guess, and he was like, let me tell the most popcorn-munching shit ever. And yeah, it turned into, I don't know if it was the best-selling book of all time at that point, but certainly like the one of the best-sellers of the century up to that point, like the early 70s. But he just made that decision to like suddenly do something very commercial. And there, there's like, in the history of film and music and books, there's a bunch of artists who have sort of who claim to have just one day woken up and made that decision that they were going to write something very popular and then they did it and it was a huge commercial success and they spent the rest of their life pretending that they could do it again anytime they're in the mood. 
I'm sure that's not the case for almost any of them. I'm sure there's some fibbing going on there, except I think for Sade. Sade is the, is the musician who did like Smooth Operator. I read an interview with her a while ago where she was like, I'm not particularly crazy about the process of doing an album. I do an album whenever like my finances dip below a certain level. I'll just like churn out a really great album. It's not much effort. Goes out there, I earn my money, and then I fucking retreat back into my back into my cave. A cave, and I say the word cave, and what comes to mind is I just saw photos of like the $70 million Swedish villa in which Tina Turner spent her final days. Um, part of me does wonder, like if I had Tina Turner money, would that make me into a hermit? I don't know. I think because like I would feel all of this license, all of this liberty to just pursue my interests. Like there would be no question about like, oh, I'm interested in, in reading that book. Do I have the money for it? Fuck yeah, I have the money for it. I have Tina Turner money and I would buy the book and I'd probably stay home and read it. Same thing would happen with like streaming platforms. Oh, I really want to watch the latest season of The Thousand Pound Sisters. Am I going to be able to afford the streaming service? Boom, Tina Turner money. I can afford the streaming service. I would stay home and in the course of that day, traverse the entire season. Which frankly, I think that's part of why, I forget what the dude's name was. He's he's old as balls and he's he works in the NFL. His I think his last name is Kraft and he got into a lot of trouble. I think he's a billionaire too. Got in a lot of trouble because he came down to Miami and he went to get uh, a massage somewhere. Like I think it was just like a, a janky kind of hole in the wall place at a strip mall. And he sort of solicited sexual services from the person who was giving him a massage. And he received those sexual services and got in a lot of trouble. And he got a lot of shit with good reason. Because like people fall back on the argument of, oh, it's two consenting adults. Who gives a shit? But first of all, it's not just like two consenting adults. There's a power dynamic there. There's here's this person giving massages in a strip mall, probably not bathing in money. So they need the money. And you're the client, and you're probably prompting them with a lot of money. And so they're going to do whatever you tell them, whether it makes them comfortable or not. Also, there are fucking legit sex workers to whom you could give that money for someone who's really practiced in providing this service. Because if you're just asking this this, this masseuse or masseur to, to service you, they're going to treat your penis like they're ripping a carrot out of the earth. Mostly he got in trouble because one, it's a crime to solicit sexual services, at least in this particular area. So there's an assaulty vibe to it. There's a, just a smarmy, sticky vibe to it. But then when you look at a lot of the criticism online, it's people kind of making the argument of like, you're, you're too rich to have done this particular crime. Why would you do that? It, like, it wasn't really people being indignant about his commission of the crime. It was indignation about, like, wow, if I was you, I would be committing a higher order of crime. Like, you have a billion dollars. Why are you going to some hole in the wall on Bird Road and having someone just, like, give you a hand job in a dirty room? But I think, like, the, the, the reason he did it is because... For him, that's the allure, is like the, the illicitness of it. When you've had endless money for decades, you probably just crawl into your head. You've probably just consumed all of the all of the sensual pleasures that you have any interest in buying, you've already bought them. And you've already exhausted your interest in those pleasures. And so I think you crawl into your head and you start pursuing like weirder, kinky, dark, internal fascinations, kinks. 
incidentally, not to do libel about this, but I was reading a thread on Reddit, and they do this every couple of years. The thread was like, okay, a Reddit, Reddit, Redditors who have had sex with a celebrity, what was it like? And in 2023, we got another iteration of a story that came up in like 2020, in 2018, in 2017, which is people talking about having sex <laughs> with Leonardo DiCaprio, and he just like puts on noise-canceling headphones, and he blasts electronic music and he just like has very depersonalized, no kissing, no eye contact, stand up four minute sex and walks away. I think that's what money does to you. I don't think money turns you into Elon Musk. I think sometimes there is just a reptilian thing that finds the resources to become Elon Musk. I think having lots and lots of money makes you the kind of person who has sort of dispassionate sex while wearing noise-canceling headphones. But we were talking about writing a bestseller, and I have to admit, as I come closer and closer to the ambiguous fate of Cuba Fruit, is it going to be embraced by a publisher who's going to really support it? Is it going to be embraced by readers? It's a very scary thought. And so, I kind of rushed into the project of writing a bestseller. Is it going to be a bestseller? Obviously, there's zero guarantee of that. There's no way of ever knowing whether our readers are going to vibe with what you wrote. But I started out this podcast saying, let me tell you what I've been reading. Because for the past two months, I have been reading almost exclusively like mega best-selling novels. I read The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. I read Gone Girl. I read The Girl on the Train. I read The Girl Who Played with Fire. I read The Girl Who Kicked a Hornet's Nest. I read The Firm. I read the first two Dexter novels, Darkly Dreaming Dexter and uh, some other alliterative nonsense. This is the title of the second one. I bought several Jack Reacher novels. I only read one. I'm focusing on books that were huge bestsellers, but that were not fluke bestsellers. Like, for instance, The Exorcist is a fluke bestseller. That has something to do, I don't know if you've ever read the book, it's not particularly good, but it, it just, it hit, it struck a chord with audiences because of what it was depicting at the time that it was depicting it. If The Exorcist by William Peter Blatty had been re released in 1988, there, would have, there wouldn't have been a satanic panic to capitalize on. It wouldn't have been a bestseller. It was just sort of a great success into which this man stumbled. I kind of feel like the same thing goes for Jaws. Same thing certainly goes for The Godfather. Huge, titanic, mega best-selling novels that their authors were never able to even approximate, let alone replicate. What I'm reading instead are the bestsellers, like the best-selling bestsellers that were written by people who specialize in writing bestsellers. In other words, Master, the masterpiece commercial entertainments that came from the pen of professional commercial entertainers. And it's not like there's a set-in-stone formula for how such stories need to work, but there are certain conventions that you can observe, if, especially if you're binging. You start to pick up on how there's, like, usually three storylines. So again, it's no, there's no, like, as I said, set-in-stone formula, but there's a way of doing this kind of thing, and you figure it out kind of by osmosis making notes if you just binge over the course of two months like you know 11 or 12 of these things but anyways that's what i've been working on that is it for now i was gonna read a thing but like eh, maybe i will now nah.